This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Well, it's a big one tonight, no doubt about that. You don't want to go down 0-2 to this Dallas Stars team in this Stanley Cup final matchup. Greg Lanelli with you, along with Dave Mishkin and Steve Versnick. We've got a jam-packed show for you today. Bobby the Chief Taylor will be stopping by, and we'll be talking about what went wrong in Game 1 and what the Lightning need to do in Game 2 to even up this series. And... Let me bring in my partner today, and that would obviously be Dave Mishkin. And, you know, Dave, I know everybody wanted to say after the game that a couple of things stood out. Fatigue certainly played a factor in the Lightning's play, particularly early on. Although if you hear Phil Esposito talk about it, he'll say, was it really a factor? Because in the third period, they played much better, which if fatigue was a factor, you would think that's when they would really fall off. But... If you do believe they didn't have their legs, particularly to start, you're hoping at least tonight that is a different game. The other part of that is with the Lightning pushing in the third period, was it more about Tampa Bay pushing or was it more about Dallas playing back and preserving the lead? Now, I understand both of those can be true. The question becomes which one is, I guess, truer from that standpoint (laughs) because... I think, you know, the Lightning want to certainly feel good about what they did in the third period and continue that momentum if you believe in such thing for game two. I think if you're the stars, you're looking at it like, well, listen, we had a lead. We didn't need to chase a fourth or fifth goal. We lock it down. And, yeah, they got some shots, but, you know, they were from the outside for the most part. And the ones that we did see, Udobin stopped. Yeah, I I kind of think it's all of the above on on all counts. So let's tackle the start first. If there was a carryover effect from the Islander series, I have a hunch that it was probably more mental than physical. And Kevin Shattenkirk in his post-game press conference was asked that question and, and said as much that, Maybe it was they weren't as sharp in terms of their execution. But physically, you're right. If if they were legitimately physically tired, then how do they have that push in the third period? I think they got sharper in the third period and started executing better. And so maybe there was a carryover effect. I, I think that another part of it, though, was the stars jumped right into the pool and the lightning dipped their toes. And John Cooper used that exact expression to describe the lightning's first two periods. They dipped their toes in the pool. Now, it may have been more impactful that the stars had four days off than the lightning had only one day off. Because as we often say, there is another team on the ice. The stars looked fresh. They, they looked ready. They were playing on their toes. And so that can make the other team look tired, right? So let's give credit to the stars. They came in rested. They came in ready. They came in sharp. They executed at an extremely high level. And they made it tough on the Lightning. And the Lightning contributed as well in that they did not get off to the kind of start that they needed to, either in terms of their intensity level or their execution level. So that should all get washed out moving to game two, I think. Now they're on equal footing, and we don't know what's going to happen in game two, but if it looks like the start of game one, then the Lightning certainly have some work to do and some game planning to do and some soul-searching to do because I think in the Stanley Cup final, they need to play better than they did in the first two periods. Now, what happened in the third? So it, you're right, it can be, it can be equally true that the Lightning picked up their game and the Stars also sat back a little bit because they had a two-goal lead. Now, was it in Dallas's game plan to get outshot 22-2 to and have the attempts be 43-3 to and have to kill three penalties? Probably not. But, again, 
quoting Cooper or paraphrasing Cooper post game, he said, you know, things kind of went our way in the third period and that they got those three power plays. They were pressing, they were executing better and they got some momentum in terms of their puck play. But it's also true that the stars, despite getting dominated in terms of possession and a lot of the, the action took place in the Dallas end, they did a fairly good job of limiting the tremendous chances but the Lightning don't need 10 tremendous chances to score a couple of goals, too. And did they get some? They did. Kalorn had maybe the best chance. Kucherov nearly scored in the power play. Hudobin barely got a piece of that with the top of his left shoulder. I would count the Bogosian chance off the rush as a, as a fairly good look. Tyler Johnson had a couple of opportunities from the slot. These weren't all as good as the Kalorn chance, but they were good enough. And... If not for Hudobin, who is extremely sharp, and the Lightning also missed the net on some decent looks that didn't go down as shots on goal but were included in that 43-shot attempt total, if we just absolutely had a repeat of the third period again, I think the Lightning probably get at least one, if not more than one, based on the volume of shots and the amount of pressure they applied and the the fair number of chances that they did have, even though they weren't like 15 scoring chances, they still had four, five, six maybe of varying degrees. And we've seen them score goals on chances like that. In fact, Dallas converted on probably the same number of chances that they had over the first two periods. It's not like the Stars had 25 scoring chances in the first two periods, but they were able to convert on on three of those, and that was enough to get them the lead, which is to say that I think it can be all of that. Um, but I also think that in game two, the slate is clean. We can't necessarily expect that the Lightning are going to come out as flat as they did in game one, but we also can't expect that they're going to come out and dominate play like they did in the third period of game one. I agree with you, especially about the mental fatigue, because I thought the first two goals that Dallas scored – directly you can directly attribute that to being mentally not there bogosian tries to protect what is it Braden points in the corner yeah. keeping ransa bogosian tries to confront him but in kind of a weird way really doesn't and lets the middle wide open and i think kucherov as brian engblund said had a breakdown a little bit because that was his man trailing and then i felt like in you know the second goal that was, what, a two-minute shift for Dallas? And it started with Vasilevsky playing the puck along the boards and Corey Perry doing a pretty good job. I think it was him keeping the puck in. And that ended up being a two-minute shift where the Lightning could not get the puck out of their own zone. That happens. Credit Dallas. But I like to think a team like Tampa Bay, who has talked a lot about that uh, this season, you know, trying to be better, getting the puck out of their own zone and making the simple play and not the risky play, will be better in Game 2 than in Game 1. The other thing, too, for me, Dave, is, all right, you know, Anton Udobin, look good. Uh, I am uh, still not totally convinced that, you know, he can win this series by himself. Not that he has to, but uh, is going to be the biggest factor in the Stars beating Tampa Bay. I think still the Lightning have a, a huge edge in nets. That being said, he looked very good. You mentioned the Kalorn save with the shoulder. He also made one with his right skate. That was that was the uh, one on Kalorn. Yeah, yeah, that was a phenomenal save. He's not the biggest guy in net. And so the question I have is, how can Tampa Bay, A, generate more scoring chances, but B, make life uncomfortable for him in his own nets? And he's not the biggest guy, as I said. Tampa Bay, I think, has done a good job in these playoffs of taking away goaltenders' eyes, their vision. Look, easier said than done. Dallas is better than all those teams they faced. They're here for a reason. But what is the adjustment Tampa Bay makes now offensively? Is it just a matter of building off of the third period, do what they did there, and then they'll feel comfortable being able to generate more scoring chances on Udoman throughout this series? Or do they have to look at it and say, you know what? We've got to pay the price. We've got to go to the front of the net. Let's take the eyes away from the goaltender. And if we have an opportunity to shoot, let's shoot. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's that's the formula, and they've used it throughout these playoffs. Take the goalie's eyes away. He can't stop what he can't see. And 
Maybe they feel they need to do more of that moving forward in game two. But I think that they did a, a fairly good job of that in the third period. I mean, I remember one Kucherov shot. might have been on the power play. Estelandel just sticks his, his stick out, and it hits the shaft of his stick and, and goes out of play. But, I mean, it's not like the blade of his stick. Like, it hits right. the narrow part halfway up the shaft. So let's say he doesn't block that. Kalorn is standing in front of Hadobin, and Kalorn is jumping in the air to try and get out of the way of the puck, which it never reached Hadobin. Right. So it's not like the Lightning never did it. I think they had an element of not getting pucks through. Some of it maybe they took too long. Some of it Dallas defended well. Some of it was just a little bit of bad puck luck, although they got a lot of puck luck on their goal. So let's, let's state that up front. They definitely got a bounce on their goal. But Phil mentioned the Stars, to an extent, got two bounces on goals two and three in that the original shot from the Dallas player was blocked and came right back to their guy in a position to shoot again quickly. But I think in the third period, the Lightning did have some bounces that didn't go their way in terms of some of the shots that that looked like they might have had a chance of going in and, and didn't. I think there may have been one Bogosian chance, not the one that, that Hudobin stopped with the glove, and I never saw a second replay on it. It almost looked like it beat Hudobin. Kalorn is standing in the crease, and it hits Kalorn and doesn't go in the net as a result. So there was a little bit of that, which is why I said, if you have a period where you have 22 shots and 43 attempts and come up with zero, if you have another period like that, the likelihood of you coming up with zero again is low. Just because, yeah, maybe you didn't get 20 great A's, but, you know... A shot can go in the net even if it's not a great A. Like sometimes the goalie doesn't make the save and sometimes you get a bounce and sometimes a shot that narrowly missed the net actually goes in the net. The law of averages and all of that. So I don't think that we can expect the Lightning are going to get 22 shots a period <laughs> moving forward, but they can do some of the things in the third period. I think moving forward maybe more consistently in terms of getting in front of the goalie. There's one other part to this, Greg, which I, I know has been mentioned on the national broadcast, and I don't think it's insignificant. The Lightning need a lead. I mean, you go back to Game 2 of the Islander series. Lightning scored late in Game 2 to go up 2-1, to one, so they had a lead there for, what, eight seconds. And then in Game 4, they scored those two goals 12 seconds apart. 27 second span and went from one nothing Islanders to two one Lightning with a little less than half a game left, and that was the only other time that the Lightning have been playing with the lead since Game One against the Islanders ended, because the other game they won in that series they won in overtime, but they never they never led. The bulk of this time the Lightning have been tied with the Islanders, and you know they were tied with the Stars. It was one one for. About a period, like from the time Gord scored until Alexiak broke the tie. But I think if the Lightning can get a lead, and and I think you need a lead. Like, you need to be able to play with the lead just like there are times when you do need to be tied, right? To, to experience how you need to play when a game is tight and tied. I'm not sure you ever really want to be behind, but that might be useful too in terms of not pressing, being patient, not risking defense for offense to try and get back in the game until it's late and you absolutely need a goal. But I do think the Lightning would benefit from from getting the lead and playing with the lead. And, and you asked about how do you generate chances. If the other team is forced to press, you can generate chances on counters because they are now concerned with getting a goal as opposed to just preventing you from scoring. And so we'll see if that happens tonight. But I just think... It's really tough to keep allowing the first goal. And the Lightning in every one of these games has made it 1-1. Like, they have come back and gotten the next goal. But I think they would do themselves a lot of favors if they can score first tonight and try and play with the lead. Yeah, you bring up a good point because we were talking about this on the last call. And we were talking about, you know, playing with the lead. And, and Brian, I know, had mentioned... He's not necessarily bothered by it. Of course, I'm paraphrasing because of how well Tampa Bay has responded when the other team does score. But I, I agree with you that 
I think there would be a sense of, okay, now we have Dallas on their heels a bit. Let's see what they can do. Because this is a team at times that has struggled to score goals in the playoffs. And, you know, eventually I think Sagan is, is going to be filling the net at, at some point. He's too good of a player to be, I think, kept bottled up. But I thought the Stars, to be honest, Dave, they did a really good job with their defensemen generating offense. And I, I thought, like the Islanders in, in some capacity, you know, they were dangerous when they had the puck in Tampa Bay's own zone. And I think it would behoove the Lightning to get a lead and force the Stars to play differently, if, if that makes sense. And even get a two-goalie. Let's, let's see how they respond when the Lightning are, are really starting to click. But, you know, I think that's obviously easier said than done but you know it's something that I think they're going to have to do because to your point I don't I don't care how talented you are I, I do think mentally too there's something to the fact that oh here we go again we're down we gave up the first goal it's almost like you're waiting for it to happen let's just spot the team one goal and and let's get on with it but I, I that, to me that that changes the complexion of tonight's game a bit if Tampa Bay can jump on the board because then I think they'll have a little more jump if you believe that Maybe they are slightly the fatigue team heading into this game compared to Dallas. And, you know, Brian is right that the Lightning can handle falling behind one nothing, But when you have to do it six games in a row, it's almost like, all right, <laughs> enough is enough. Let's get the first goal tonight. And, you know, even some of the teams that have the worst records in the NHL and typically allow a lot of goals and are usually falling behind one nothing, the law of averages – will tell you that eventually they're going to get some games where they score first. So you would hope that kind of like what I was talking about with the law of averages in a third period, like the one the Lightning had in game one. And I I, I just want to reemphasize, I'm not expecting that we're going to see another period like that tonight or maybe even for the rest of the series. But the law of averages will tell you that eventually – you're going to get the first goal. Now, does that mean that you're going to win necessarily? No. In fact, in these last six games in which the Lightning have allowed the first goal, they're 3-3. Three and three. So, you know, they've rallied in all of the games, and they've rallied to win in half of them. But I do think that it would change the dynamic of what we saw in game one. In the Vegas series, the Stars were down in some of the games and came back to win. I think specifically games four and five, they allowed the first goal. In game five, they allowed the first two goals. What they were able to do is be very efficient, though. They didn't get a lot of chances, the Stars. Yeah. But the chances that they got, they put in. And again, they weren't down, you know, four goals. They they just needed one or or two to get the game tied. And so they've shown that they can do it. But if you are not generating a lot of shots and a lot of pressure throughout the course of a game, you are you are walking a very fine line to rally. That means that when you get a look, you better finish it as opposed to what is typical, which is, you know, you need however many shots, whatever the averages say, you know, one goal for every 10 to 12 shots on net, understanding that not all shots are created equally. So the Stars were able to do it against Vegas in games four and five, convert on chances even though kind of the wind was in their face for a lot of those games in terms of possession. But let's see if, if the Lightning can put them in that position tonight and moving forward in the series, if they can, they can play with the lead a little bit more. He is Dave Michigan. I am Greg Lanelli. Hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio. We've got Bobby the Chief Taylor up next as we talk game two tonight between the Lightning and the Stars. Thanks for listening. Power Lunch, Lightning Power Play. The perfect social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch, only on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. You know, the, the first two, we uh, we kind of waited and, and allowed them to bring the game to us. And, and I think we know certainly that, that when we, you know, flip that and play our relentless style of hockey, you know, it makes it look like teams are sitting back. So, I mean, you can call it them sitting on the lead, but I think at the same time, we generated chances. We played, you know, our best hockey in the third. And obviously not the result we wanted, but certainly something that we can build on. 
it is certainly maybe the biggest takeaway from game one if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning. The start wasn't great. The third period was really good. But why was it really good? Was it more about Dallas hanging back, protecting the lead, or was it more about Tampa Bay pressing the issue? And that is something we'll discuss today throughout, especially with our guests right now, very special guests, Bobby the Chief Taylor. Of course, I'm Greg Linelli, along with Dave Mishkin. It is Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. We're getting you set for game two tonight. Of course, Dallas up 1-0 in this best of seven Stanley Cup final series. Chief, great to be with you. And you heard Shattenkirk coming in. And I think a lot of people were curious. What did you make of game one overall? And do you buy that the third period was more about Tampa Bay than it was maybe Dallas hanging back? Well, we were in that situation with Boston. Same thing. In that very first game against the Bruins, we didn't play very well the first half, came back and just dominated the game the final 30 minutes, and they ended up losing the game, but then came back and won four straight. So I think it's more closer to that than what Dallas didn't do. Uh, One of the things that I was really uh, kind of puzzled about was the fact that you know, we we had 75 shots towards their net, but what got me was the fact we never had too many second shots, and our puck retrieval wasn't really good at all. Uh, you know, I mean, that's if you're going to – you you want, might have to chip and chase more often against Dallas because they do play a very solid layered game. So if you are, you have to know that you're going to be doing that. So you have to get in there very, very quickly to get that puck and win that battle, make them play with their face in the glass more often. and. Um, I think we did that better in the third period. Um, we also had the benefit of three power plays, and then they're going to put that out there. But we only had four shots on those three power plays out of the 22. So, you know, if uh, do, if I'm doing hockey by the numbers, that's 18 shots when we're five on five guys. So, uh, I I I like that. I just thought that they they what happens. Sometimes you, you kind of take a breath, you know, like, oh, wow, we finally made it to there, you know, and then it takes you a while to get your mind back. And I think that's what happened in the first game with Boston. We got that nemesis out of our, uh, off our back with the Columbus team when they swept us in the games in the series last year. You, we beat them in, in, in this series and did it very well. So now we're saying, Phew, we finally got that off our back. And then it took them a, a, a period and a half to get going and say, well, wait a minute, you know, we're just starting this. And I think that's a similar situation uh, coming into tonight as we saw against the Bruins. Dallas is yet another one of these teams that defends really well. And the Lightning have seen four of them now in this playoff run. The four teams they've seen all finished in the top ten in team defense during the regular season. The Stars were second. I'm wondering, though, Chief, does Dallas do anything differently, albeit equally well to these other teams, but do they do anything differently in how they approach kind of defending or playing without the puck or their neutral zone than than the other opponents the Lightning have seen? Uh, You know what, Mish? I think they're a little quicker on the forecheck. That's, for me, uh, than those other teams. And I think, you know, and Boston basically had the the Marchant line with Bergeron and Pasternak. You know, that really was their whole offense, and their power play was where they got most of their offense. But Dallas, yeah, their stars are playing really well. You know, uh, Jamie Benn and uh, Radulov, you know, and Sagan's playing well, not scoring, but he's playing well. And then I think, too, uh, that uh, Pobolski has been very good for him. But they're very quick to the forecheck, so I think – a lot of times is that we're, we're taking us a little longer to get out of our end than it did against those other other guys. We were able to flow, get out of there quickly, quick pass, and get going. I, I'd like to see us carry the puck a little more. This sixty-foot passes are are you know they're 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 playing for it. They played, they play the whole ice surface. Very similar to what we saw with the Islanders. They played that full ice surface too. But if we're carrying the puck and skating. You know, they have to back off, and, and that's the thing for me is that it wasn't so much that, they, that they're they doing anything different. I just don't think that our mindset was ready. I think we were just kind of saying, wow, we're in the playoffs, finally got to the finals now, and it took us a period and a half to wake up and say, wait a minute, you know, we got to get back to our game, and, and we saw that in the third. Bobby, the Chief Taylor, joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Chief, what are you seeing from Anton Udoman? His career numbers don't translate to what he's doing right now. 
What's making him so successful, and what can the Lightning do in Game 2 to make him a bit more uncomfortable in that? Well, you know what? He's playing extremely well. Don't get, you know, right now, but we're, all our shots are going low. I mean, he's very good with his feet, but he's not a very big goalie. So when he's in that butterfly store, you know, you got a lot of room up top. And I think, we're, and we're not getting very many second shots on him. We, we hit a couple of crossbars and a goal post. We've hit the knob of his stick about three times, you know, uh, and, and it will couple off his coconut. And for me... <laughs> I, I, I'd like to see us start shooting a little bit more from the top of the circle to the dots. You know, that's where we were getting... It, it's very similar to Varlamov. You know, he, Varlamov was good, he, but he sure left the rebounds out there. We were able to get to a few rebounds. Uh, in that first game against Dallas, the, the, the Stars did a really good job of clearing from it or blocking out so that we didn't get to that. But that's where we'll get, we have to do. We have to really make sure that we fight for those rebounds and get to the the center of the ice for that a lot more uh, in this game than they, we did in the first. A lot has been made of the Sorelli line with Kalorn and Johnson and maybe how they need to find another level, at least in the earlier rounds of the playoffs. Having said that, I mean, Sorelli has scored some some really important goals, including obviously the, the series clincher against the Islanders. But it really seemed like they were maybe as effective as any line the Lightning had in game one, Kalorn especially, but the other guys as well. Uh, did you like what you saw from that line five-on-five five in game one? Well, I, Tyler Johnson had his best game of the playoffs, you know, four shots, you know. But I was looking at the numbers this morning, mission, and Kalorn had the most power play minutes. He was like 358. The next closest to him was Kucherov and Point at 307, and that's even more than the defenseman. And he had one shot the whole game. Well, we know uh, that one was a you know, great but, chance in the third. Well, yeah, but again, it was a low shot, remember? Yeah. You know, the thing is, and but the point it is is that they have to do more. Shirelli only had uh, uh, one shot again, too. You know, they have to be much more as a, as a, a, a effect, much more effective in the offensive zone. You know, they're really strong defensively in that, but... You know they've got to. I think they're trying to be a little bit too cute as well. They gotta. They gotta shoot the puck more. They both got good shots, all three of them. You know, but uh, Johnny was. I thought was his best game. He he was really into it. Uh, four shots. Uh, you know, he he had a, a couple blocked. Uh, you know, he was fifty percent on the faceoffs, which you know he hasn't been in that faceoff situation for a long time because he hasn't really been effective there. But he was. He won. He lost uh, his first two and then one. The rest, so for me, um, they could be the real X factor in tonight's game because they, they, if they get get going and really start to, to play like we've seen them play, uh, that's going to be a real big difference for us because, you know, the the, the Goodrow, Coleman, and, and uh, Gord line is going to be that. They've been that way all along. You know, we got the Point and Kucherov and Palat line. You get that line going, now uh, Bones is going to have a big uh, matchup problem. Bobby the Chief Taylor joins us here on Power Lunch. Chief, it was highlighted before this series about how good both teams' defense was in generating offense. We saw that from the Stars in Game 1. What's the key in defending the other team's defense jumping in offensively? Well, we we kind of collapsed really low in our defensive zone. If you take a look how many times we have all five players below the hash marks or all five players even below the face-off dot, all that space from the blue line in is wide open. And case in point, there are two goals. There was nobody, nobody even looked at those defensemen coming in. And for me, you have to take a look around. If you got the puck in the corner or behind the net and you have one guy there and we got four guys there all looking at the puck, well, what are, what are you going to do with it, all four of you, when you're in about a 10-foot area? The puck, the danger's outside. If you, if the pass goes through, there's nobody there to take it, which we saw that the 2D get their goals for Dallas. That's, for me, you have to make sure of it. When when teams made uh, uh, adjustments on our defense, especially the Islanders, what they did is they moved those forwards out to the top of the circles, not back at the face-off dots. They said, well, you pack the middle. But also they were out a little higher because that – you you got to limit that uh, ability of the, that defenseman to move, especially with with Kings or uh, 
I keep wanting to call him Kingsley, <laughs> but I'm thinking of Klingberg. Ben. Yeah, Klingberg and uh, Niskanen. So for me, those two guys are, are very, very good. You can't you, – you got to you gotta play them a little closer than you can when you have guys that are that good offensively, and that's what they're doing to us. You know, they're making sure that they're out there closer to Hedman uh, than, anybody, than in, in any other team that played them. And then the Islanders, when they were more successful and kept the games closer, they did the same thing. So – we have to take a page out of that and make sure that we don't collapse down below the dots, especially when those guys are on there because they use their points so well. They, they're like us. They use their points. Our defense drive our offense. Their defense drives their offense. So you've got to try and take that away from them. A handful of these Lightning players, more than a handful actually, played in the 2015 Cup Final and much of the same group, 2016, 2018, deep runs. Do you think coming back for a lot of these guys five years later to the final, and even some of the guys that that came in who have had deep runs with other teams but didn't win, excluding Maroon, like Shattenkirk had a deep run with St. Louis, Goodrow had a deep run with San Jose, do you think you gain an appreciation for how hard it is to get to this point when you've gotten far but not gotten across the finish line before? Oh, definitely. You know, and I think that's been the motivating factor for this club. I mean, this team here, right, their attitude is, and it shows when, you know, we haven't lost a game two in a row in these playoffs, which is pretty impressive too. Uh, we're very good on uh, after, after a loss. We really t- take it to the other team. I I like the mental outlook of this club. I really do. I they they play to uh, you know they're good in one goal games. They're one of the best teams in one goal games, and you know they've had a lot of games where you know they've had great offense from the so-called uh, big line of Point and Kucherov and Palat, and then the third period when they're in the lead, those guys focus on defense a lot more than they do on trying to score the goal to give them a five-goal lead or type of thing. So that attitude for me is that we want to win. We don't want to just uh, piled up the points and, and you know the first guy to five wins uh, that's been a see because if you if you think about it miss you know for the last five years basically that's what was, their attitude was you know the first guy to five I mean even with such great teams we had we always thought we were going to outscore teams rather than outplay them and for me this playoff series has been a lot different they seem to want to outplay teams rather than just outscore them Bobby the Chief Taylor joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play Chief this question came in via Twitter from Bob. He said he'd like to see what the ex-goaltender says regarding Vassy starting to maybe feel fatigued. He said being an ex-player, does the adrenaline push him through physically, but does it come to mental fatigue? He thought the first two goals Vassy gave up, he normally would stop. Nah. <laughs> You're in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You wait your entire life to get to the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, he's fine. You know, I don't... I, you know what... You always wondered. You know what? It's really funny. It's it. The media creates all this stuff, because I can remember back in our day, they always said, "Well, oh, you got a goalie controversy. We got to make. You got to settle on one goalie, and one goalie played the whole playoffs. You know, all the time, and we played every second day. So the point of it is, is that you know, we all you're looking for the guy to play there, and and he's the right now. He's been playing outstanding. Uh, I don't. You know, the one that that kind of got me was the was uh, the goal of. Uh, uh, Kiv- the Kivi, how do you say Kiviranta. Yeah, Kiviranta. That one was a little bit because I thought it might have, you know, blocked. He took out the second shot and it came underneath his arm. Uh, you know, it went through him. And, and you, you know, we haven't seen too many go through uh, Vassi in the playoffs here. And that, that was a big goal for them too because it was the third one. But um, that might have been the only one for me that I, I would like to have seen him come back. But, you know, if you take a look at the whole game as a whole, I mean, we hit two crossbars. Uh, you know, we... Uh, Plot had what three or four chances there where he deflected one wide, just missed one there, shot one there. You know, little, little things like that. Just, everybody keeps talking about it's a game of inches, and, and we saw a perfect example of it just with the chances that Andre had. So, um, but as far as Vassy's concerned, no, he's not fatigued. Are you kidding me? But were you, it's like putting that carrot in front of the donkey, boy. He runs faster the closer that carrot gets to his nose. Well, and I think Victor Hedman was asked after the Islander series if the short turnaround was going to have an effect. And we can we can debate that. I think the Lightning conceded maybe mentally 
they weren't as sharp as they needed to be. But it may be what you said. They may have had three days off and, and still kind of exhaled a little bit because they got to the Stanley Cup final, and it wasn't about the short turnaround. And Hedman said, we had four months off. You know? Yeah. And does that create a different dynamic? I understand the wear and tear of playing these high-intensity, high-pressure physical games, and you can get worn down in terms of you've got nagging injuries that you've got to play through, and and clearly players on both sides have that. But just from the energy standpoint of it being a different season in that you didn't go into the playoffs after playing for six straight months, 82 regular season games, do you feel that this end of end of the tournament series – may have a different feel because they had the big break? Well, they're more rested and healthier. And, that, that you know, that that's, that's the whole point. I mean, it gets to be a grind a lot anyway. I mean, if you take a look at the schedules of a regular season, they're really bottom heavy in the sense that after January or after the Super Bowl, you're, you're playing a lot of games. You're playing three to four games a week. And for me, it's, it's – uh, I, I, we saw them react – in the last half of that game uh, on on um, Saturday, that they really took over. They really started to play the way we've seen them play throughout the playoffs. And I think it just was a matter of just saying, okay, wait a minute, we got to get back into this. Uh, we got to reset the, the card. And Dallas is a very good defensive team, as you pointed out, Mitch. What, they ended up second behind Boston, didn't they, in the league? Yeah, and so they're a damn good defensive team. So you know what? But they could the push on them, and and I think that's what they have to do now from the start, rather than just from the, you know, in the middle of the game when you're down a goal or two. I think now, and if you, we've we've got to start focusing on that first period more about uh, getting the lead or scoring first. I mean, we're nine and one in the playoffs when we score first. You know, and then for leading after one, we're seven and zero. Oh. So the first period is so very important because you can play your situation. You can, as they keep talking and saying, we got to get back to our structure. You can play your structure longer when you're not chasing the game all the time. And and what we've missed, I think the last three or four games, they've the other team has scored the first goal, six, so, yeah, six so, straight. Games. So we're always chasing. So tonight would be a very important thing to get that lead and. When we score first, like I said, we're nine and one in games that we score first. So it'd be a lot easier to play on the engine rather than coming from the caboose all the time. Chief, it's just one game. We don't know what John Cooper is going to do, but would you make any changes personnel-wise for game two? No, I don't think so. I maybe maybe go twelve and six. You know, you know, I don't know. Uh, if that's the case, I, I can't see putting in a, a, a guy that hasn't played in about eight games or six games, something like that. That's that's pretty tough. But for me, uh, you know what we we've we've done really. You know, uh, Bernsey, Brian Burns said something really very special in our pregame skate about the fact that you know that eleven and seven hasn't been as effective over the last three games as it has at the start. So maybe you come back with twelve and six. And that's a that's a pretty good idea. If if any changes, I'd I'd say that would be the only one I'd see, because these guys are pretty good boys. We haven't lost two in a row, and, and you know this is the whole thing about it. Yeah, it's kind of disappointing that we're so high and you wanted to get that first game, but this is a team that rebounds very very well. We have to get to a game five, but presuming the Lightning win one of the next few games there will be a game five and it's a back-to-back which you don't often see in the Stanley Cup final at least not in this day and age as you alluded to Chief it was a different story back in the 70s where they did play on back-to-back days and you had talked about Vasilevsky being fresh I'm wondering what your spidey sense tells you about Hudobin who is 34 potentially playing in both ends of the back-to-back, assuming Bishop is not healthy. And they've avoided using Hadobin. They've had two back-to-backs the Stars have earlier in the playoffs. Bishop played one of those, and then the other one Bishop started. That was the blowout loss to Colorado in Game 5, and Hudobin came in, but that was the second half of a back-to-back, and, and he did not start. How do you think a back-to-back in the final may affect Hudobin, who is not Vasilevsky, who is, you know, in his mid-20s, 
Hudobin is is a decade older. Yeah, and he's not as big and as strong either. You know, I mean that that has a lot to do with it as well. You know what? He's he's on a roll. I don't. I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but think about it now. You know, he he has been a backup goalie, and most of the time until now, or because of injuries, forced him. And he's playing very well, and he's doing a very good job. The start. The thing that we have to do, and and I, I sound like a broken record. I'm sorry, but. Second shot, anybody that's in this league at this level, whether you're the starter or whether you're the backup, if you're not getting 96 98% of the first shots, you're not going to be in this league very long. It's that second shot. It's that tip-ins. It's the screenshots. That's what score. When a guy sees the puck, uh, he's he's going to make the save. And he made a couple of saves with his pads, like the one on Clorn we talked about, Mish, where he just stretched across as far as he could, and, and it caught him by the toe. Uh, um, you know, I, I, I think we just got to start thinking. He's not a, I think he's under six feet. He's not a big goalie. You got to start thinking top part of the net, you know, because uh, when he goes down that butterfly, that opens up those top corners really, really well. And uh, that's what I think the guys should start thinking about. And let's take the shots from the top of the circle and drive the net. You know, talk to your line mate. Okay, if I got that puck at the top of the circle, the hash bar, it's going on the net. So you could be coming looking for the rebound. Don't worry about the pass. It's going to be a shot on the net. And this game moves so fast, so when you know what's going to happen, you can get there quicker. Chief, last question for me. We all know Rick Bonus. You've talked to a lot of people over in Dallas. Why do you think he's been so successful with this Stars team, they obviously have talent, but he's really been able to get them over, over that hump, so to speak. Well, he's the guy that really got them defense moving up and playing to their strength. Uh, I don't think they did before. You know, uh, they've got guys that can move up. You know, Alexiak. I mean, really? I mean, he's up there half the time in these playoffs. He's looked like a, bo- a re- reincarnation of Bobby Orr. You know, and he's not known as that. He's known as a big defender. You know, Klingsberg always does move up in the play. You know. And then uh, Heskinen, you know, has done a very good job. So I, I think that's the key for for the for his success with Dallas. Anyway, is that you know in the regular season they were a very good defender. You know, they were of course as we said second in, in defense, but couldn't score very well. Now they got everything moving because they heard the defense moves. Their defense gets in the play. They outnumber teams on the rushes, and uh, I think that's been a big factor in how. Uh, and success for the stars, uh, and that's what uh, Bones brought to the to table for them. Chief, this was a lot of fun. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Chief. All right, it's great, Bobby. The Chief Taylor. You want to react to anything he had to say? You can at Bolt Radio. We'll come back, take some more of your questions, and get you set for Game Two tonight as Tampa Bay tries to even up this series right here on Lightning Power Play. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Yes, the question was asked earlier to John Cooper. What about Steven Stamkos? And Cooper said, well, you'll have to tune in later today to find out. Don't know <laughs> what like that means. It's like a stock answer, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's Helping good. the ratings? Inching a little closer for like, he, he's all about the ratings, which is funny as a coach. I don't think he really cares what happens with the media and how the ratings are, but uh, he is, uh, I guess you could say Stamkos is inching his way closer. Look, Dave, I have no idea if and when Stammer comes back. You and I have discussed this before, but if he were able to find a way to get into the series in some capacity, he does change the dynamic of this team just a bit, especially with the special teams aspect of things, right? So, look, let's assume he can come back, whether it's tonight, next game, whatever. It will be his first actual game action since pre-pause. So that's not insignificant. I mean, that's going back more than six months, right? So that's a long time to be out of game action. So he's going to have to find a way to get back in sync in terms of game flow. But it can be done. I mean, we said the same about Coburn and Shen, right, when when they came in and they had not played in an actual game other than an exhibition since March. But here's where I think he can have an immediate impact, even if it means that you know he's coming in not having played in six months plus. 
he's going to completely change the look of the power play. It's a look we know well because we've seen it, but it's going to create a whole different barrel of monkeys and kettle of fish, whatever cliche you want, for the Dallas Stars penalty kill. Because assuming they go back to Stamp goes to the left circle, Kucherov at the right circle, and presumably Hedman playing at, at the point in that umbrella, now you've got two guys who can bomb it at the circle, Kucherov and Stamkos. And Hedman has shown that that he is willing and capable of shooting the puck and shooting it very well, certainly in this playoff year. And that will also make the second unit, whoever is coming off the first unit with Stamkos going on there, that player is now going to the second unit. So do I think that will have an immediate impact? Yes. If Steven Stamkos can shoot the puck, it doesn't matter whether his timing in terms of feeling the puck and skating up and down the ice may be a little behind and he's going to have to find a way to catch up. Yes, it does take timing to shoot a one-timer, but that's something that Stamkos, I'm sure, has been practicing, and I have to imagine that's like swinging a golf club for him, right? I mean, it, it's something that that I would expect will be dangerous right from the very first opportunity that he gets. So that's one area. The other area is face-offs. Now, the Lightning have had some good face-off games in this playoff year. They've had some bad face-off games in this playoff year. But the Lightning do miss Stamkos on the penalty kill as a draw to the right of the goalie. Mitchell Stevens had some games early in the playoffs where he was in that position. But Stevens has been out of the lineup more than in the lineup. And usually it's Goodrow coming in there having to win it on his weak side. Stamkos is not only a righty, he has been so good on draws. And that is also something. I understand that that face-off proficiency has has something to do with timing for sure but I think that's something that if you're good you're good and Stamkos has gotten really good over his career and it's also something you can practice so just in those two areas right off the bat I mean from the from the minute he steps on the ice I think he's going to have a very positive impact on the lightning in addition to other face-offs right like not just penalty kill but the penalty kill face-off to the right of the goalie is an area where Stamkos has really been a huge asset for the Lightning this year. And and I'm sure they would slot him right back in there, particularly when a power play is beginning and the draw is to the right of the goalie. And we'll see what the Stars decide to do. Like, they have Pavelski. Pavelski's a righty. Sagan's a righty. But, but frankly, it's been Jamie Benn, I want to say, taking a lot of the draws. Stars only had two power plays. So... I know with the Islanders, we saw a lot of Andrews, Lee, and Nelson, so that lefty guy was coming in, so the draw was the right to the right of the goalie. And uh, the Lightning, as we had talked about, Greg, they struggled in some of those games against the Islanders in terms of penalty kill faceoff percentage. So both in terms of the power play and what he can do on the power play, and he can help the power play, not just the first unit but the second unit, but also in terms of winning faceoffs, specifically on penalty kill, but also in other areas. Uh, that would be a, an immediate benefit to getting Stamkos back, in addition to all the other things that he can do. And again, that may take him a period or half a game or a full game to, to feel like he's back in the swing of things, hopefully on the shorter end of that. But uh, he has to be in, in the game. <laughs> he has to be in the lineup before we can see that and talk about it. You know, and I asked Chief the question, would he make any lineup changes going into game two? And while I understand, look, this is a team that, you know, hasn't lost back-to-back games. Their record is very good after they lose a game, bouncing back. And you don't want to be hyperbolic and overreact after just one loss. That being said, it is the Stanley Cup Finals. I think you do everything you can to make sure your team has the advantage. And his thought process of 12-6 and is very interesting. Don't know if that means Steven Stamkos is part of it. If not, I think it would be interesting to see what you could do to maybe put a guy like Carter Verhage back into the lineup. We saw him a couple of games ago have a lot of jump, and if you are concerned at all that fatigue might be an issue, 
Verhage is a guy who does have fresh legs, and I think when he's gotten the opportunity to make an impact offensively, obviously in the role that he is given, I think he has performed pretty well. Look, I'm not asking for drastic changes. I might not even be asking for any changes at all, Dave, but if you're going to go down that route, and if it doesn't mean Steven Stamkos coming back into the lineup, I'm curious if they do go 12-6, and six, to Brian Burns's point, where over the last three games maybe the offense has dried up just a bit, are you looking to inject a little bit more O in that lineup? And if that's the case, and if Stamkos can't go, and you want to make a move on the back end, is the natural selection getting a guy like Verhage into the lineup to see what he can do a bit more? Verhage has played well when he's had the opportunity, and usually it's been spot duty, like he comes in for a game and then and then he's out of the lineup again. Some of that was due to the Braden Point situation and the, the Kalorn one game suspension. But I think you're right. Verhage has provided uh, a burst of energy. He scored a goal that was taken away in game five against the Islanders because of the offside. But I mean, the guy still shot the puck in the net, right? A clean shot that, that just beat Varlamov up high and was a perfect shot and a beautiful shot. So that was not affected by the offside. He still had to put the puck in the net and he did. And he plays a heavy game. And I think he deserves credit for, I mean, he gets in on the forecheck. He wins puck battles. It's hard to get the puck off of him. So we'll see. I guess we'll have to tune in, like John Cooper said. couple people coming in, listening to the show, Dave. Uh, Brandon says, agree we need to play with the lead. Need to see more urgency, too. Much passing, too much passing, not enough shooting. Rafi P says, Udobin is confident and dangerous goaltender. Need to get him out of his comfort zone. I'm sure that's been hammered home to the boys in the last 24 hours. Chief nailed it in his analysis. Let's get shots on him, get him moving, and pounce on some juicy rebounds. Well, I would just remind us and, and our listeners that the Lightning have had to deal with a hot goalie in every round. Now, that goalie wasn't necessarily hot throughout the series or playing lights out throughout the series, but was there a goalie hotter than Corpusalo at the start of that Columbus series? I mean, he was, he was phenomenal at the start of that series. And I think that he lost a little bit of that as the series progressed. He was still good, but he wasn't just a, a shot stopping machine like he was earlier in the series. I think you can make the argument that Halak had some really strong moments in that Boston series, particularly later in the series. He was really, really good in Game 5. I know the Bruins had had a lot of jump in Game 5, but Halak was really strong in that fifth game, too, and the Lightning created some chances. And Varlamov, I think you even said, Greg, Varlamov played as well as you've ever seen him play toward the end of the Eastern Conference Finals. So the Lightning had to deal with goalies who are in a zone. And what do you need to do? Well, you got to stay with it. You got to avoid frustration from, from affecting your game. And the tried and true method of getting traffic in front and taking the goalie's eyes away. Because if you do get traffic in front, it's going to make it harder for the goalie to make the save and not allow a rebound. And if you get traveling in front, you are there potentially to get a rebound. So Hudobin did give up some rebounds in game one, but like Chief talked about, most of those went to the stars. So let's see if the Lightning can can kind of kill two birds with one stone, which they have done against these other goalies at points, which is traffic in front to make it more difficult for Hudobin. And then if there's a rebound, the traffic in front hopefully will lead to a rebound chance and maybe a goal. Yeah. You know, I'm always fascinated with goaltenders, Dave. I think you and I have talked about this on a previous show. When you take a look at the goaltenders post-lockouts and you see the ones who have won the championships, there are a few, I think, future Hall of Famers in that category. But a lot of those guys are good to very good goaltenders, and some of them just caught lightning in a bottle and um, end up being, you know, okay goaltenders. And I'm always fascinated how a goaltender in those situations is able to elevate their play at the most strenuous time of their career. And then the question just becomes, is it Dallas's system that's allowing a guy like Udobin to 
really excel? Or has it finally started to click for a guy like that who has been mostly a backup throughout his career? He's seen some starting uh, minutes for sure, but it's not like he's been the guy for an extended period of time. And I'm always fascinated what makes things click at his age at this moment when it's arguably the hardest to win a championship? Maybe we'll never know the answer to that, but I always keep coming back to, does eventually he come back to earth a bit? And are we going to see maybe the real Anton Hudobin from previous years? I could be wrong, and that may never happen, but I think it's incumbent on incumbent upon the Lightning to make sure they test him every single chance they get, whether that means taking away his eyes, not passing up a shot. But if you're going to go down in this series, and look, we have a long way to go, if Anton Udobin beats you and he plays flawlessly, there's not much you can do, but I'm always fascinated by a guy who maybe plays above what his numbers suggest when the numbers have indicated in previous years he's been pretty good, but nothing like we've seen, particularly the last two rounds. So that's the thing, the last two rounds, and you're including this round. Correct. So, look, I have not watched every minute of every game that the Stars have played, for sure. But I've looked at the box scores, and you know, you can see Hudobin's numbers. And I've heard what people have said about the Vegas series, which is, yeah, Vegas had a huge advantage in metrics. Chris Johnston was on with us last week, and he said the same thing. He's like, yeah, man. Vegas really didn't generate a whole heck of a lot. And look, he was there. He was watching. I don't know, Greg. I was watching those games. Vegas got some pretty good looks. I mean, yeah, did they have a lot of shots that maybe weren't great A's? Probably. But Hudobin was outstanding in that Vegas series. I'm trying to remember which game it was. Game three. Vegas was down one nothing going into the third. Then they tied it, and then Ben scores kind of a weak goal for Leonard to allow, and it was really the Stars, a rare entry by the Stars into the offensive zone, and they popped in a goal. Vegas ended up tying it, and then Radulov scored in the first minute of overtime. So the Stars ended up winning that game. But if you watch the third period of that game, that's a big game. That's 1-1 game three. Vegas absolutely dominated that third period. They had 18 shots. They probably had upwards of 10 scoring chances. Hudobin completely saved the day for Dallas. So I would say Hudobin was the difference in the Vegas series. Understanding that Dallas defended well, but they were so under siege for much of that series after game one that to me, watching it, and again, I was not there, I didn't have a feel for the series like if I were calling it or or sitting in the press box. To me, that was a goalie win, that series win for the Dallas Stars. So let's say Hudobin has reached this level in the Vegas series, and he was really good against the Lightning in Game 1, especially in that third period. But if you go back to the earlier rounds, I mean, there's a reason why the Colorado-Dallas series was one of the highest-scoring series in NHL history. And that was because both teams were successful at, at converting on chances. They were both really good on special teams. But, you know, Hudobin was in net for much of that. Bishop got pulled early in game five. He allowed four goals. But every other goal that the Avalanche scored in that series that wasn't an empty netter came against Hudobin. And the Calgary Flames scored a lot of goals against Hudobin. They had one game against Bishop. But... Even in the game six that, that Dallas won 7-3, the Flames were up 3 nothing in, in that game halfway through the first period. So this is my way of saying I think Hudobin has reached this level that you're talking about now. But he has not been there. I think it's safe to say that he has not been there the entire playoffs. He's been good the entire playoffs, and certainly good enough for Dallas to, to win a couple of series where they had to score a fair number of goals in the in the Calgary series and the Colorado series. But starting with the series against Vegas, Hudobin has elevated his play. And I think it goes back to what you said. How long can he sustain it? And if he doesn't sustain it, the Stars have shown that they can still win, right? Like, I think they whatever the stat was that I, I wrote down, they have 
three wins this year where they've been down by by multiple goals in games. I think they have five wins this year when they've been trailing after the first period, which, again, if the Lightning can score first, that's something to keep in mind. So they have shown that they can rally. But if we're just talking about Hudobin, I don't think that he has had to be in the zone for two months. I think he's been really good, and now he is in the zone more recently. So let's see if the Lightning can can make him uncomfortable enough so that he gets out of the zone. That's their challenge. Syed Roussoff, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly from The Athletic, says Rope Hints is expected to play per Rick Bonus. Okay. He's a guy that can provide some depth scoring. and He blocked a shot in the third period and, and did. didn't return. He did. So he should be in the lineup. And, of course, anything else that breaks, we'll have that for you coming up during the pregame. Of course, Lightning are 5-0 this postseason following a loss, outscoring their opponents 16-9 to in those games. We'll see if they can add on to that total after tonight. Dave, great job. We'll talk to you during the pregame. All right. Talk to you in a few, Greg. All right. That is Dave Michigan. Always appreciate his analysis. Thank you for participating. It's always fun to hear from our audience. We're here for you every day, noon to 1 on Lightning Power Play. So tonight is game two, 8 o'clock. The puck drops pregame at 7.30. The pregame skate show with Brian Burns and Kaylee Chelios begins at 7. And, of course, throughout the day, you can listen to this show, uh, Power Play, right here for Power Lunch. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be with you again tonight for game two on Lightning Power Play.